Welcome back to the Fairway Performance Podcast. My name is Sean Dyakoff and I'm your host. And my aim with this podcast is to help you improve your best asset on the golf course, which is, of course, your body. So you can drive the ball further, get fit, and shoot the lowest scores you ever have. Now, on today's episode, I'm going to talk about three reasons that people are not seeing results on the golf course because of the training that they're doing. Now, these three things have come up in conversations that I've had with potential clients and actual clients uh, just this week, which is why it's been uh, at the forefront of my mind. And it's uh, a couple of um, limiting beliefs uh, that have been broken for clients that I have, um, a couple of beliefs that people who uh, potential clients have um, and um, I was just having a conversation yesterday with uh, uh, with a gentleman, and he was saying that um, I, I just posed the question to him. I said, um, you know, it sounds like you've done a lot of things, um, and, you know, you obviously still haven't seen improvement in your golf game because of the work you've done in the gym. I said, is there any stone that you have left unturned on your journey to getting there? Uh, and his answer was no. He's he's turned over every single stone and done every single thing possible to get there. Um, then my next question to him was, um, "Have you ever hired a PT or a coach?" And he said no. And um, you know, there's a stone that was uh, not turned over. <laughs> um, so we're we're hopefully going to start working together uh, in the next uh, couple of days. Uh, just waiting to hear back uh, from him. But uh, the thing that I got from that conversation or, or the, the thing that came up from that conversation is um, unless you don't know what you don't know, firstly, like if people don't know a certain thing, then it's hard to know if you're doing it right or wrong or whatever, which a lot of these points that or pretty much all three of these points that I'm going to talk about today, uh, there might be one, two or three of them that you um, feel that way about, or you just don't have quite the understanding, which is why I do this for a job and why I work with you know golfers all around the world, um, individually and through you know a general app. But the yeah, so the the curse of not having enough knowledge. Uh, we can also have the curse of too much knowledge, where we know how much hard work it is, and we just don't want to do that hard work because we know how hard it is to keep doing it. So, uh, or to have done it. Now, before I digress and go too far down that rabbit hole. Um, the three reasons you're not seeing results on the golf course from the training that you're doing. The first one is you aren't doing the right things in the gym. So this comes down to uh, if you are following a general program, which I have plenty of on the internet, then you can only expect general results. So what I mean by that is it's a program that's written for a large subset of the population, which you may fall into or either side of. Now, chances are, if you've been training for a really long time, then you probably are not going to get a huge amount of uh, benefit or result from a program which is built for the general population. You are going to need something which is individualized and tailored specifically for you because you've probably done all the things that most people have done before and that the general population will see a benefit from. Um so the exercises need to be varied to take into account the exercises you've done, the sets and rep ranges that you've done, your sporting history, your injuries, all that type of thing. So taking into account all of those different aspects to you as an individual is going to help with obviously writing a, a program which will get you results. Now, uh, some of the things that I see people not do correctly in the gym and it comes back to the conversation I was having with this uh, this guy yesterday, and 
I said, what does a typical training session look like? And he said he was following, and I can't remember the guy's name now, but it was a program that was made by Annika Sorensen's coach. And this is in the 90s um, that this guy wrote it. And, you know, it's it's old enough to be on a DVD, which is um, he's distributed and probably made lots of money off um, saying that he was Annika Sorensen's coach. But uh, needless to say, the things which he was giving to people were very general. So, and it was probably you know, people's first foray into the gym. Um, There wasn't a whole lot of research around sets and reps on things. Um, You know, sports science has come a long way since then. You know, we're 35, nearly 40 years away from that now. Um, You know, the early or or 1990 itself, um, like we're a very, very long way away from that. And we've learned a lot over those years. And one of the things in which he was saying was, I said, what do the sets and reps look like? And he was saying that, uh, on, you know, day one, he would do like some chopping, some like with a cable machine, he would do some squats, some lunges and, and other bits and pieces, which all sound like really great movements to be doing. Like I, I don't have any qualms with the movements that he was doing. It's the way in which he was doing them. So in the first set he would do, uh, I believe it was about eight to 10 reps. Then the next set he would do five reps and he would go heavy and then the third set, he'd go like 12 to 15 reps. So he'd do like a higher volume. Now, the problem with that is it's a different stimulus on the body for each one. So chopping and changing weights like that within a set can be beneficial if we're doing uh, contrast training or something specific. But if we're just doing a chop and we're doing it in three different ways, then essentially we're not training for hypertrophy because we're not doing enough volume. We're not training for strength because we're not doing enough volume. Uh, And we're not training for muscular endurance because we're not doing enough volume either. So the reason being is that we know for us to grow muscle and to uh, create what we call hypertrophy or hypertrophy in the muscle, we need to be doing as a beginner at least 10 sets per body part per exercise. So, or, or per body part or exercise. So if we're doing bicep curls, as an example, it's a really easy one. Uh, we need to be doing 10 sets of bicep curls across the week. So that could be a Monday, Wednesday, Friday gym routine. And on Monday, we do four sets of biceps. On Wednesday, we do three sets of biceps. And on Friday, we do three sets of biceps. So it could be four sets of 10, three sets of 10, three sets of 10. And we might just do bicep curls each time, or we might do bicep curls once, then we might do preacher curls the next, and then we might do um, some sort of like different variation, um, standing bicep curls with a dumbbell, hammer, hammer presses or something, hammer curls. Um, so doing uh, doing that 10 sets across the week creates enough of a stimulus in the body to want it to release from the pituitary gland, release you know growth hormone and increase our testosterone, blah, blah, blah. Um, a whole host of different functions which the body will go through in order to adapt to that training by growing bigger muscles. Now, if we only do it once, then the signal is not large enough to the muscle or to the, from the muscles to the pituitary gland, to the body, and we're not getting that cycle happening. Uh, same goes for strength. If we need to build strength or want to build strength, doing one set of five reps of chops each side is, is just not going to cut it. We need to have um, you know three to five sets 
of three to five reps three to five times a week uh, for that to work and that's a I'm going to credit Andy Galpin for that three to five rule because he's mentioned it on many podcasts and maybe even the podcast I recorded with him maybe 12 to 18 months ago now um, but we need to have a certain amount of volume in order to create or and stimulus volume is a stimulus to create that adaptation so doing sets like that just is not going to work uh, if you want to learn what those sets and reps should be then uh you know, join me in an individual program and I'll talk you through why we're doing those things and how we're building and why we're doing, um, you know, things week on week on week to create a really lasting change and an actual, you know, change in your body or adaptation in your body. Um, cool. That's the first point. So not doing the right things in the gym. The last thing I'll say on that is uh, if you're following a general program, it might be working on a lot of hips or thoracic or shoulders or whatever it might be. Um, but for you, like you could be working on the exact opposite end of the body to what you need to work on. So you might feel like your shoulders don't turn that much, but that's just a feeling. Like if we want to actually see where we stand with that, we want to be doing a screening or a movement assessment or a speed and power assessment or something like this to give us an indication of, cool, this is what it's going to look like in order for your body to move well to perform a golf swing um, or to have power for a golf swing or coordination or stability, whatever it might be. Um, this is where you currently are. So these are the things that we need to work on. We've got some red things, we've got some amber things, and we've got some green things. Um, so that's that's going to be the best way to work out what to target um, and exactly why I've made within the low-cost app that I have, the Fairway Performance Training app, uh, the ability for people to do a self-assessment. So while the program itself is general in nature, there's different variations of the program within there or different programs in there. And you can choose what program to do based on how you go through the self-assessment and the mobility screening. So rather than you know paying a higher amount to come and do it with me in person or somebody else in person um, or, or online via Zoom, you can run through that screening and you can work out cool like i need to work on thoracic or whatever and then within the app itself there's you know thoracic mobility there's shoulder mobility like there's body part specific mobility uh, routines that people can follow so that's my attempt of bringing a a more individualized approach to a general program because i understand the importance of it and for those who take the time to actually message me when they sign up to it or to join the app they will actually see that benefit and you know experience that and follow the pathway that i have intended for people um not just jump on look at the program think yeah that exercise looks great that exercise looks shit um i don't want to do that because it looks crap and hard blah 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 whinge whinge um and then not get the results that they didn't work hard enough for essentially because they didn't follow the right thing um cool small little rant there sorry about that uh the next thing is um point number two of reason number two is they don't work hard enough in the gym or you're not working hard enough in the gym to get the results so i was actually training in the gym this morning and there was a pt in there and some guy came in and did a 30 minute training session with this pt and i don't i actually don't think the pt spoke a single word to this guy i think the guy came in they said hi like fist bumped and then he just demonstrated the exercise to him and then the guy sat down and did the exercise and that was it he didn't look like he was stressing straining trying very hard at all in any of the exercises and he walked out and after 30 minutes i, I saw him passing in the change room after you know his 30 minute session um, hadn't broken a single sweat hadn't done really anything um, and his physique um, 
you know, he just didn't look to be in the best of shape. And I'm not trying to be judgmental here at all, but he just looked like he moved really poorly. In his exercises, he moved poorly. He had a, a very large, like, hunch forwards. And, you know, there could be a whole host of different things. But it's just an example of what I see with people. Like, they come into the gym, they have a program, they just go through the motions, and then they expect because they're going through the motions and it's, like, a little bit hard that they should be getting a really good result from it. And, I'm afraid to say like that's not the way that this thing works so you're obviously going to get more from putting a really good effort in now the reason I'm saying this is if we're doing strength work or hypertrophy work we need to be uh, focusing on a few different things Uh, the volume uh, time under tension um, and you know mechanical loading or load of the weight so the those three points essentially what we're talking to there is if we're performing hypertrophy training and we're doing a set of 10 reps uh, we should feel like once we finish that set of 10 that we have at least one rep left in the tank and up to five reps left in the tank as a maximum you shouldn't have like if you're doing a certain exercise and you have more than five reps in the tank and you're trying to build muscle you're just not going to like the signal is not strong enough to the body to tell it to release much growth hormone and to actually make an adaptation from the stress that you've put on it, it just the stress is just not there the weight is not heavy enough to in order to for the body to want to be stronger to lift that weight easier next time essentially so what we need to be focusing on is that one to five reps now one rep shy of failure uh, is not ideal like that's not where i like to sit for all my clients i like to sit around two to three reps short of failure the reason being we can recover a bit faster we can get the sessions done a little bit quicker and it's still enough stimulus on the body in order for us to get a good change and we can sustain that for a really long period of time um, we can increase reps with that. We can increase weight with that. Um, there's so many different factors to be you know, thinking about. Now, the other thing is if you're doing strength work and you know that could be rotational, could be abs, it could be back squats or deadlifts, if you're not struggling to lift the weight, then you're not going to get stronger. Like strength is the product of struggling. Now we need to, and, and strength is built through a little bit of hardship essentially we don't get a stronger character by getting everything given to us and you know having things come easy and being fed by a silver spoon like all of this stuff the people who are the toughest are the ones who go through the toughest things and if you want to look at a real life example you just look at the marines everyone sees the u.s marines as being these um, superhuman athletes and everything else that can withstand it all and it's because training and their testing puts them in those positions it makes them do really really difficult things that are harder than what they're going to be doing when they're actually out on the battlefield so that when they're on the battlefield they can excel and it feels easy um, sort of like training with ankle weights as well um, like my old volleyball coach used to do at our school whack on the ankle weights train with it try and jump set spike all that stuff it was really hard um, you know especially doing suicide sprints like full court three-quarter court half court quarter court um, sprinting if you got stuff wrong and that sort of thing like it was very very hard but then come game day our conditioning was really good um, it felt like we had springs in our feet and we could just jump so much higher um, so there's you know there's real benefit to, to working hard you know in training and, and in the gym now uh, if if you feel like um, you know you're a bit stagnant or whatever, um, reach out on uh, reach out on Instagram. It's probably the easiest place at Sean S H A U N dot Diakoff D I A C H K O W F. 
Uh, and I'd love to chat with you about some of the stuff that you're doing in your training and just work out whether um, you are working hard enough, you're not working on the right things, whatever that might be. But let's just have a discussion about it and you can give me a bit of an insight. Uh, and if I feel I can add some value to you or I can help you with what you're doing or your approach, um, then obviously we can start the conversation about working together as well. Now, the last thing, um, the other reason, the third reason why um, people aren't seeing the results that... Um, they want to from the work they're putting into the gym, uh, transferring to the golf course, is they just haven't been doing it for long enough or consistently enough. Now, this uh, going back to this guy that I was talking to uh, just yesterday, um, he was telling me that he he was really consistent in the gym. He's like, yep, like every other day, like I'm doing this workout. Um, you know, I did just have you know like two months off because I had COVID, um, and before that, like I had a bit of a wrist injury and like all this stuff. So. Out of the last 12 essentially months, we worked out that it had about three to three and a half months off training. Um, now, to me, that that's not a whole lot of consistency. Um, you know, and when I say time off, like he just didn't do anything because he had one particular body part injured or nagging injury or COVID or whatever it might be. Now, there's so many other things he could have worked on in that time. He could have reassessed what his goals were. Um, you know, and worked on a different aspect of his body in order to do that. He could have focused more on his nutrition. He could have focused more on his short game and his putting. Uh, that could have brought his handicap down. Um, even if he had those other things, um, he could have um, focused on the mental aspect of his game. Um, he could have done some work with mental golf coach, um, who is actually really good, and they have an app now that you can sign up to. Um, if you go back a few episodes and, and listen to the, the episode that I did with him, it was absolutely amazing. Um, or you can t- even talk to Mike Leonard uh, uh, from Wicked Smart Golf. He's he's one of their certified coaches, mental golf coach or mental type, mental golf type coach, uh, I believe it's called. Um, go back and listen to the episodes I've done with him. Uh, and, you know, he could have worked on his mental game. There's so many different ways that he could have, you know, brought his handicap down um, for his game while still not being able to train. Um, but, you know, the, none of that was worked on. So, uh, I, I really see the benefit in working with a coach is, is me pointing that stuff out to him. While we might not be able to do specific work on strength or whatever, I could have said, look, you do this for you know one to two months and then we'll come back to it and, and we'll work on this together. Um, so the other thing, um, that's just one little aspect. The other thing that I see with people is they work really hard, they see some benefit on the course and you know they can hit the ball further and then they say, well, I'm hitting the ball further, why is my handicap not decreasing or why am I not shooting better scores? And I went on this journey years ago now and when I started to increase my speed and distance, um, one of the things that I started to notice because I, uh, I track my stats and I'm, I'm very diligent with remembering shots and, um, you know, I don't hit that many shots on the course that I forget them. Um, you know, I sort of remember <laughs> what's going on, even if I'm not playing too well and I'm, you know, shooting in the low 80s at the moment uh, in Bermuda. I still remember all the shots that I hit on the golf course and take a little mental note of, of each of those. Now, the, the really big thing that I found was I was hitting the ball further down the fairway and instead of hitting an 8 or a 9 iron in, I'm starting to hit these little flip wedges. And these are all shots which I'd never practiced before. Uh, you know, a sand wedge for me, a 56 degree wedge, uh, I can hit it roughly 100 meters with a full swing. So that's about 110 yards is my full sand wedge. And I was having these shots that were like 68 meters or um, to a short-sided pin or 
55 meters to lots of green to work with and that was because my drives were just progressing so much further up the fairway and i would not put the second shots closer to the pin than what i would have for a seven eight or nine iron because i was so used to hitting the seven eight nine iron in from the the previous distances that i'd just gotten much better at it and my proximity to hole was pretty similar to my wedges so when you're going down the route of a swing speed journey it's not just the work that you're doing on the the distance and your accuracy with the driver and how far you're hitting it and stuff like that. It's also the little practice changes and tweaks that you need to make um, in order for that to actually show up on the course. And I mean, sure, if you're playing a long course, you, you still might be left with seven, eight, nine, nine in, um, but chances are you're going to be one to two or even three less clubs in because people will gain uh, a, a recent client, um, Brendan, he just gained uh, 14 miles an hour um, of club head speed. So for every mile of club head speed, they say it's two to three yards of carry. Um, so for him, that's a lot like that. That's potentially like 20 to 40 yards of carry extra, which is at least two to three clubs different that he's going to be hitting into the green. So his next part of his journey is, is obviously going to be, um, you know, hitting those little flip wedges and getting better with the shorter shots to make sure that that proximity does, in fact, um, get a little bit closer. Because if you're not practicing those all the time, uh, then you're not going to get better at them. So you need to have time to get speed up. You need to have time to get your proximity to hole with those shorter clubs and the uneven distances and stuff like that and you know different trajectories as well you might need to put one high to a short-sided pin or you might need to put one low and sort of uh three bounces or two bounces and checking up for the um one that you're hitting up the up the green the length of the green or whatever so um Anyway, they're the three reasons or three things uh, that I see uh, in people when they're not seeing the results on the course from the stuff that they're doing in the gym is because of these things. So um, anyway, guys, I really hope this has helped. I hope it's um, just shone some light on uh, some of the different aspects that I look at as a coach. Um, If you are interested in having more of a conversation around any of this stuff, you can always talk to me on Instagram. I'm very uh, readily available on there. Uh, I'm on there, you know, a few times a day, spend a bit of time on there each day talking to clients, potential clients, um, that type of thing. Um, So please hit me up on there. Um, Share this episode with someone who you think you could uh, or who could get some benefit from it. Um, And if you haven't already, um, just in order to help the show grow, and it would mean the world to me, if you could leave a five-star rating or review or a uh, review on Apple Podcasts, um, it'll really help the show grow. It'll help me to want to create more content for you guys uh, and obviously get into the ears of more golfers around the world and take this stuff more seriously. So until next week, guys, uh, hit them straight, train hard, play well, and I'll talk to you next week.